0: Welcome to the New York City Parks COVID or History Project podcast. Our subject is the history of the COVID-19 pandemic and the response and activities of New York City Parks. Our hosts are Diana Baker and Kevin Fitzpatrick. This is episode number eight, Feeding New York.
1: Hi Kevin. We're back in wonderful Williamsburg, Brooklyn in the Media Education Lab. Our all Parky team is using the Media Lab to share our history with listeners, presenting some of the more than 100 interviews conducted last year about the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, our guests are Parkies connected to the Pandemic Food Distribution Program. Ashanta Smith, Recreation Center Manager, and Jorge Ortiz III, Community Coordinator, Emergency Management.
2: Hi, Diana, and hello to all of our new listeners and subscribers. Welcome to our show. We have listeners in the U.K. and Canada, Ireland, and Germany. Wilkomen, which is the extent of my high school German.
1: In the last podcast, we were in Washington Square Park. Today, we're going back to recreation centers to dig into how they were used to feed New Yorkers. You're going to hear about a program that didn't get a lot of attention when it was happening, but now it's a part of our agency's history.
2: It's been three years. But the memories of the COVID era are still vivid for those of us from New York City, particularly March 2020 into the summer months. And one of the biggest challenges facing New York City was food insecurity.
1: Yes, New York City had to adapt. Not everyone could afford trips to the grocery stores or have access to fresh fruit and vegetables. And some residents had COVID or were exposed to COVID and so they could not go outside to go shopping. They needed food brought to them and not from a restaurant the city was facing a monumental crisis of feeding residents lots of them as the scale of the pandemic grew the city of new york turned to new york city parks this was the get food new york city program
2: yes Diana. there was a plan before the pandemic for such an emergency which we will hear about in a moment But this show is the first time, really, that eyewitnesses talk about the food distribution program run out of New York City Parks Recreation Centers for several months. It's an incredible story of project planning, dedication, execution, and success.
1: Yes, this tapped park staff from basketball and swimming coaches to parks rangers and more to distribute food. There are 36 New York City Parks Recreation Centers, and all of them are closed to the public. As we heard in episode four, some of them were used for Learning Bridges school sites and others for mask distribution. That left some able to be used for food distribution. Ultimately, Parks oversaw eight food distribution sites citywide. One was Basketball City in Chelsea. 42 million meals were distributed. In our second show, we spoke to Norman Chan, director of emergency management. On his team is Jorge Ortiz III a community coordinator. Jorge was often in the city command center, engaging with every city agency, plus state and federal officials throughout the pandemic. He recalled when the pandemic was ramping up in 2020 and the city was facing a crisis.
3: What were you doing? March 24th, uh, if my memory serves correct, was the launching point for the Get Food NYC program. And we were, in talks to, you know, like pre-staging, you know, like staff training, what sites are we gonna go with, you know, what resources are gonna be made available. Um, I ran point for that program from the park side.
2: Okay, was there a plan before the pandemic to use recreation centers for food distribution and? CDP. What's that called?
3: Commodity Distribution Point.
2: Okay, so that there was a plan in place in advance that your team had developed to use recreation centers in the community as a place to go to get this stuff, right?
3: Yes, with a caveat. So when I mentioned earlier, the CDP plan is more for more conventional means, right? So a hurricane that would knock out a community's access to life-sustaining food, right? In under those circumstances, the food is set up at this point, you know, at a playground or a rec center, and the folks would line up, they would get their food and then they would go. We've take, you know, we've basically had to take that plan and throw out 90% of that because now you're dealing with a pandemic that's highly infectious. So you, the last thing you want is people at that site gathering, right? So the difference between CDP and the food distribution program was the fact that it was, it transitioned from a food, you know, from folks picking up the food to food being distributed by other means, which in this case was taxicab drivers.
2: And they, I understand, they had a list of places to take food to, so like delivering.
3: Yes. So each uh, um, each taxi cab driver would have been issued like a, a run sheet or a route, which had about six different addresses uh, for uh, you know for, for their for their job. The vehicle would be packed as much with as much food as you can carry. Uh, each individual address would get up uh, up to about three days worth of food and then they can order again through through the system that we had set up so
2: how did you guys find taxi cab and there's uber drivers too right i mean how'd you find them
3: that was one of the goals of the food distribution program so um when the city went into lockdown you know folks lost jobs industries were dead and of course folks were sick so how do you provide for food insecure while also keeping funds flowing throughout the city of New York at a time where money isn't going, right? You know, okay. So you're, you're, we're taking food from food contractors that otherwise you know, would not have any business. You know, uh, contractors that supply airports, schools, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're paying taxicab drivers that otherwise would not have any business because the, the country has been shut down, right? and then we're taking all of that together and then we're, you know, providing food for folks who need it, folks that lost jobs that, you know, may not be necessarily be able to walk into the supermarket and purchase it on their own or folks that were sick and we don't want them going to a supermarket or a restaurant to order on their own.
2: Okay. Did you go to any of those distributions like in your in, your, in the Bronx? Yes. Tell me a place you went to and what you what you witnessed.
3: So the Hunts Point Rec Center was one of the first Five locations that were activated as part of this plan and of course because I you know I am in the Bronx it was easier for me I had my own vehicle I could be there in five ten minutes training uh, you know especially once the National Guard showed up there you know how you know we could help them run their operation what are the operational challenges because it's a rec center like it wasn't built it's not built you know for uh, as a food hub and in the case for Hunts Point, you know, being in a very densely populated, you know, uh, community there, it was a one-way street, you know, for, uh, you know, so it's not just, you know, so it's like, you can imagine emergency response vehicles and our delivery trucks there competing with Amazon, you know, UPS, Postal Service, and now you have like a line of cabs, you know, ready to go stretching outside of, uh, you know, outside the block, so dealing with, uh, you know, concerns from the community, you know, maybe noise pollution, maybe actual pollution, like, you know, it's like, if you've ever been to a motor pool, you know, 100 vehicles, engines idling, right? It's Mm -hmm. not a, you don't want to be there. Um, So we had to balance the concerns of the community while still serving the community at the same time. You know, so it was a lot, um, definitely a lot of different conversations that were happening at once while we're still trying to make this happen.
2: What did it look like inside, like in the rec center, like in the gymnasium? Was it just stacks of pallets? I mean, what was, what they have?
3: Uh, stacks of pallets of, you know, uh, it was food. It was boxed food. Uh, what kind of know, food? All different types. You know, we had hot meals. We had meals that were, you know, to a specific, uh, um, that addressed dietary restrictions, halal versus kosher, for example. Uh, we had dry food that was shelf stable. Uh, you know, so some foods had a shorter, uh, turnaround time than others, right? So, um, you know, if you had a food that was fresh that had to be out within two days, right? Versus another a sh- more shelf stable that was available, you know, that you can keep it there for, for weeks or months on end, you know. So the those types of uh, decisions. Okay. And is there anything that you saw
2: that really st- stuck in your mind about that that part of the process that you really? Uh, I'll never forget I saw this or I, or I witnessed this. Well,
3: I never forget any of it. You know, it's like such a unique experience, but for, you know, for Hunts Point, just seeing, um, again, just the turnout, right? You know, you're on the front lines of a global pandemic, you know, and there are soldiers, there are law enforcement officers, and there's people from parks, rec center managers moving pallets of food, you know, how many families did we feed that day, like how many people you know, had one less thing to worry about because we decided to be here to make this happen. You know, it's always going to be stuff like that. Well,
2: I was at the Hunts Point Recreation Center to meet the center manager, Ashanta Smith, who was the point person on the ground for the food distribution program. He told me that he's been with Parks since he was six years old in Harlem as a Parks kid. So if you combine his 28 years at Parks when he started at 14, he's coming up on 40 years in the agency.
1: Wait, 40 years? I know Ashanta. I used to work with him. 40 years,
2: really? He's counting when he came in as a six-year-old. Ah. But did you work with, you worked with him, right?
1: I did. I worked with him at uh, 54th Street. At that time, he was uh, running the after-school program.
2: And he was asked about the beginning of the pandemic. So when's the first time you hear coronavirus?
4: What was it? Super Bowl. There was you no know, little bug going around in, I think it was China. Uh, it may get here, it may not. Well, nobody's painting no mind. It's a Super Bowl. It's a, it's a cough. It's a flu. Nobody's really thinking about it. Okay. Then
2: you get the text. We're closing down.
4: What happens? The crazy thing is I didn't get that text. I was on vacation. My birthday was March 14th. So I think we shut down on March 14th. Oh, no, that March 12th. So I'm on vacation. And on the vacation I told my new chief, my chief was just new to the borough So me and him have a rapport, I said chief if you need me, let me know I'm on vacation for two weeks but if you leave me, let me know So let's say that's Saturday, Chief's like, Ashanta I need you <laughs> I said, what's going on? He said, we shut down Shut down? This corona thing that's going on, is that serious? Yeah So we shutting the building down, we sending all staff home But I need you to open up the center Okay chief But send everybody home, yeah, but you right now will be a point person for something I don't know, but it's something that's coming ASAP. Say two hours later, I get a call back. I need you to go to work tomorrow. (laughs) Be there at eight o'clock to receive stuff for a food distribution center. So that's what I was told. Food distribution chief, what's going on? Like we about to shut down the world? I don't know what's Okay, cool. So now, Sunday, I meet George here then i meet chris suarez another employee so we here a stuff they start bringing stuff in so at that point he's like yeah it's about to be a major operation this and that once again i underestimated it then he was like all right you're gonna be here all day every day seven in the morning to 11 at night no i wasn't okay next day all this stuff came i'm talking about trucks loads dollies uh, boxes, paper cutters, everything that you can want, tents, all kinds. Con- so now it's like, all right, it's kicking in. We are uh, about to be like a full first stage stage operation. We go by within a week, we have everything set up. They send me more staff, about eight people. So my goal was to feed a hundred thousand people. That was the goal. Unrealistic goal. Not even thinking I would even get there. Hundred thousand people was the goal to feed. Because just like that, now the city's shutting down. People can't leave. Kirk, stuff like that, Kirk, is getting serious. People are scared. My mom's like, oh, why are you going to work? Everybody else staying home. I just, it's just me. I'm going to run to the fire. I'm going to run to the fire, throw water on it, come back some more and do it again. till it's gone, till it's out. Just who I am. I can't help it. Don't know why, just can't help it. So we in the mix. Next thing you know, they saying that we're going to try these routes. They started delivering a full... They got the, um, the cab drivers involved, TLC. So now we got multiple municipalities. I started off with a staff of six people. During the pandemic, I think I supervised over 200 people. At max, at one time during the day, maybe 85 people in this building and outside running in and out. And that's not including over the 300 cab drivers pulling up on a daily basis. So the, the, the situation gets too, starts evolving. First time out, we send out maybe a hundred routes. Every route had six deliveries. So, you know, at 600 deliveries. Started progressing, couple of days, no? stash anxious, now we're doing more, 800, 900. Next thing you know, at one point, I think at a height, we got rid of maybe 9,000 routes in a day.
2: 9,000 routes. Yes,
4: yes, yes. So it just became a whole operation from TLC to the Army Reserve to MTA, sanitation, all kind of municipalities coming over. And like to actually have to supervise, that was crazy. Not crazy to the sense of, I learned, I learned so much from the pandemic with that. I learned just how to deal with different people, different people's lack of understanding. Some people didn't want to do this, some didn't want to mask up, some didn't understand how serious this was. Through the whole pandemic, I can say this and I'm proud of this, my center only shut down for four days. Everybody else shut down months and up. We were shut down for four days and that's because it was a, maybe a quick outbreak because like seven of the military caught the coronavirus so we had to stop. But everything else, we went through it. This block, as you see, it goes south. We had to change it to go north just to make the operation flow better. So my community sacrificed too. Sacrifice too.
2: This little street in front of the rec centre mm-hmm. became the distribution point of yes. all the taxi cabs.
4: Yes. This okay. this and on Lafayette, we had a line from Lafayette all the way down to Hunts Point all the way down to the park. At least thirteen blocks. To whereas I had to get a little motor scooter just to ride to and to make sure everybody was serviced. Yeah. The thing about that what what thing is like well like one thing I learned is that everybody did come together and was willing to help. Like even the cab drivers, like they had to eat, but they was willing to help and they understood what the job that task was, and it's just, it was a lot, it was a lot, it was a whole lot.
2: Do you know how many meals you distributed from here?
4: From here? We distributed, the last count I believe was 4,200,000 4, meals,
2: 4,200,000
4: meals, from right here.
2: In how many months?
4: uh, let's say March to June. And this was the first site. This was the first ever distribution food site ever in New York State history. Hunts Point, I was the, me and Chris was the first people on boots on ground. The first site. No game plan, no nothing, no map. Just figure it out, learn on it, learn.
2: There have been no advanced planning for this?
4: None, none.
2: You're a rec center.
4: Recreation is, at that point, I'm a, I'm a deputy center manager My specialty is basketball, outdoor adventure, and sports That's my specialty Now you have the National Guard here <laughs> National Guard, military center, uh, Air Force sergeant And I'm giving him directors in a pandemic
2: Did you ever feel like your health was at risk coming in here? Yeah, of
4: course Of course I haven't been the same since I know that mm-hmm. I know that for a fact not even an option. Not even a thing. Like we was working seventy-two hours weeks. Like we work a thirty-five-hour work week. The first week that I, the first week that I got, not say this second week when we really, I did ninety hours that week, seven days. I did ninety. The next one maybe at seventy-six. Yes. And then like people dying. I lost my uncle. My uncle died during that pandemic. So when that happens. This, and this is, God bless, this is the uncle who actually introduced me to recreation. He was in a um, nursing home and you couldn't see nobody. So we got that call. Yeah, no, didn't get him no proper funeral, no nothing. Also within that pandemic, my father, my father had a, like a slight seizure, heart attack, had to be incubated. He was in the incubator for four months. So during that, I'm dealing with that too. And then, you know, you're losing friends, losing people just you know. So it was like, it was like, oh my God. But helping and like just moving and making sure that you were part of it. People were dying at an alarming rate to the point where we're standing and giving applause to the medical people because they're with the job and they risk that they're doing. Every day I encountered over Three hundred people, including the cab jobs that I didn't know nothing about. They don't know no no history about. Where well, I gotta take their paperwork and ensure that it's safety. So yeah, or you don't know what's going right, on. Right,
2: right. When you were going through this, were you ever self-reflective to think I'm
4: living through history? Hell yeah. And You know what I messed up? You know what I'm I made mistake and didn't do? I wanted to start at a blog. As you see, I love the technology. Right. But it was so much that I couldn't get a chance to. Then I tried to get one of the I tried to get one of the teens to follow me for the day. But when I thought about it, I was like, being on the health scare risk, is not right to them. I'm not gonna put that kid at that depth, when everybody's on lockdown. But I really wanted to blog it, because it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. I'm gonna show you, I'm just gonna share one story. I know I may be rambling, but there's one story where the cab drivers were fighting for about a good two weeks, not physically, but arguing for spots. They had to get here two in the morning just to get a spot. They
2: for, wanted those fares.
4: There you go. So first, so the line is ten blocks long. You don't want to sit on line. So long story stay, people were skipping and all that. It was an uproar. I'm up. Shanta, I need you to come around the corner down on Sparfitt Lafayette. The cab drives are arguing again. I guess down there it's all going crazy. Everybody he skips, skips, skips. He skipped me. He skipped me and all that. I said, come on, y'all. We can't keep going through this. Everybody starts August. What's Shontae A cab driver got out, African Ghanese, Ghanese got out the cab, took out his trumpet, started playing the Star Spangled Banner. Most surreal moment ever. Everybody stopped. They started playing it. Played this national anthem. And then at the end he said, don't forget what we're here for. And did that be done? Yes. Yes, wow. wow. Yes, wild ain't the word. Wild ain't the word. Yeah. So that was that was a, that was one of those uh, one of those like okay, one of those moments. And then like you said, like I say, it started out as hundred thousand. Then we got to one hundred thousand. Then we got to three hundred thousand. Then the next goal was a million. We got to a million. Next thing you know, all right, let's go to two million. Two million. We was the first to start. so we was the first to go offline too. So we we went, we was out, and like I said, in them three months, 12 weeks, we gave about 4.6 million meals, I believe. And I'm just going to say this too, and that's not including the ones that we gave away at the door. Oh, (laughs) just
2: feed the neighbors too. Wow.
4: I I, I, I may not be sick, but yes. Yes, yes, yes. Can't have a food distribution site hub in the community where people are starving for food and the people across the street can't get in it. This didn't make no sense to me. Didn't I? go
2: to probably your customers too, right? Yeah, my,
4: not even my customers, my neighbors, my constituents. To where if I need some, to whereas I'm not, when we had so much food, we had to put tents outside with the food and stuff like this, the story, the stuff that could be stored outside. To whereas the neighbors were watching it that night for us when I had to go home. Yeah, what Sean said, they tried to hop over the gate, but listen, I took care of it. I told him, I, got you. Good looking. Look out for us, look out for you. That's simple. So it's a community thing. This
1: is a story that has never been told.
2: Right. When I found out about this program afterwards, I asked around. It was like something out of a movie. It is such an incredible story.
1: And now the recreation centers are back open, like in pre-pandemic days, at full strength.
2: Thanks, Diana. This is a great episode. I can't wait for the next one.
1: Thanks for listening to our show.
2: Thanks, everyone, for the support and feedback our podcast gets. Please share this with your friends and family.
0: Thank you for listening to the New York City Parks Oral History Project podcast. It is produced by New York City Parks Media Education. Our hosts are Diana Baker and Kevin Fitzpatrick. Our producer is Igosa Ogbo, and our sound engineer is Zeddy Hall. Our executive producer is Joy Wang. Original theme music, A Stroll in the Park, is composed and performed by Brett Miani. And the show Soundbed Audio is composed by Shaquim hill Wassay. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please like, subscribe, and share with your friends and family. See you in the parks.